There we go. There we go. I am here with my brothers, man. I, listen, I'm honored. I'm honored. Uh, We're honored. I, I can't. I can't express. I can't express my thanks uh, to you guys enough, man. You know, I, I am a fan, admirer uh, from afar, uh, and uh, you know, I'm grateful, man. Great, grateful for this opportunity to be able to just just celebrate, celebrate what I feel, and I'm hoping that the Lord is going to do, uh, you know, with this uh, with this project, Amen. man. But guys, look. We're on several platforms. Be sure to like, share, subscribe, man. If you have not subscribed to Southside Rabbi, what is your problem? Do that right now. Hit the notification button. Man, do what you got to do. So let, let, let me be your spokesperson. Thank yeah, you. Do, do, do all of that right now. Man, like, share, and subscribe. Uh, but as they said, we were saying earlier, today is uh, launch day. I'm so excited about uh, this project right here, Church Hurt, holding the church accountable and helping uh, hurt people heal. And so, listen, I'm, I'm grateful to talk about this Amen. Uh, with my brothers, uh, KB and Amin. What's up, fellas? How we doing? Man, How listen, we, doing? we just trying to get like you, man. Yeah. You got a you got a professional intro. You 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 showing us up, man. We just trying to get like you, man. We trying to get some red no. shirts. We trying to get a library back there with a couple of books. Nah. You know, <laughs> we trying to look yeah. like you, brother. For sure, yeah. Nah, man. Nah, no sir, no sir. Yeah, yeah. Look, yeah. I, I got I got like five subscribers, sir. Oh, you, you, you guys, it. trust me. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be... Stop it. I'm trying to be... Well, <laughs> it, it ain't that bad, but I'm, I'm no. trying to be... <laughs> well, the I'm honor, trying to be where you guys are. The honor is ours. Mm -hmm. um, I uh, the, the honor is so much ours that I, for a moment, thought about rejecting your honor uh, so there would be no mix-up at where the honor should be laid, okay? Thank you so much, my brother. Uh, for writing this book. Mm -hmm. um, I thank you for your your voice, your faithfulness to uh, the kingdom, to the local assembly, Amen. Uh, in ways that the audience uh, would not be able to appreciate unless we did another episode three or four hours. Pastor uh, Jerome Gay Jr. Jr. has um, been shepherding me from a distance in a, in, in a very, very challenging seasons of my life. And um, has prayed with me. His wife has uh, also, uh, them, them together, volunteered to be like uh, just uh, water in the desert to my family. And I'm grateful for the opportunity uh, to have this conversation with, uh, with you, Pastor, because of the ways in which, even in this, this topic itself, like mm -hmm. you have served my family so well with this content. So um, just appreciate your voice, your witness, uh, your prophetic vision. And um, and we just pray the Lord would give us grace to help amplify uh, this important work in this season. So of course, this is a Southside Rabbi, Urban Perspective Collaboration. But I mean, could you just real quick, just give him a small Southside Rabbi welcome you know, beyond see that that was that was the housekeeping. Let's get right, to the right. Get to the substance real quick. Well, first of all, I don't know how you introduced a man who I, I don't even know if we should call him a man. He's a message. He's a message. He he, he is a message, and he has a message for you. Yeah, that's yeah. That, 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 that's what I'm trying to yeah, tell yeah, you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now listen, I know that there is a lot of preachers out there. A lot. 
There's a lot of preachers that are that you know they're, they're gifted speakers. Uh huh. There's a lot of different churches out there, but I'm telling you, what Vision Church has been able to do uh-huh. over in Raleigh, and then the preaching of my my uh, of, of of my brother right here, uh-huh. he can preach the paint off the walls. Uh, what, what, he can, he can, he, can pre- he can preach the Nike checks <laughs> off your socks. <laughs> I'm talking about a man, as I said, that will open the text and implant it in your cerebral cortex in such a way yes. that as you sleep at night, yes. you will be <laughs> yes. you will be meditating upon the scriptures because of what he has been able Absolutely. to impart to you. Yes. Your favorite pastor's favorite pastor's Here he is. favorite pastor. Amen. Now, see, KB might be your favorite theologian's theologian, but this is your favorite pastor's favorite pastor's yeah, absolutely. pastor. Put some respect on his name. So seriously. put some respect yeah. on his name. That's hey, all I'm trying to say. Last thing we'll say, we'll, we'll jump to the conversation. I just want to say this. Uh, one time I was listening to, uh, I, w- I went to go listen to pastor preach, and the sermon was so good uh, that there was a line outside the door, like right outside the sanctuary, and as he was walking out, people said, would you sign my Bible? Because... <laughs> I'm just joking. I made that up. <laughs> and every time yeah. he signed it, it was a different scripture I, with a I small. Not, I will never sign a Bible. No, sir. <laughs> so I did not write that. <laughs> he signed it with I a different there, scripture every time. <laughs> different scripture with four with a four paragraph long yes, devotional on each yes. and every single. He's that deep. All right. Ahead, All right. Brother. Yes, indeed. So today is launch day, yes. Pastor. And uh, excited to, 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 to hop into the conversation. So there's a bunch of different ways that, that we can take this. I don't know if you want to take the first step or we will. It's up to you. Nah, you, y'all spark it off, man. Mm-hmm. You spark it off, man. I'm, I'm ready. Yes. Cool. I want to ask this. So I think that now in 2023, one of the things that we recognize, first of all, is that there's always been church hurt ever since the inception of the church, yes. right? It's always yeah. been around. Mm-hmm. Um, but in 2023 and 20, what we saw last year in 2022, I think that we've seen kind of almost this, uh, it almost seems like a reckoning on folks who have been hurt and abused by the church. Yeah. We've seen a lot of the stuff that's come out with, you know, the SBC covering up some con- some some abuses. We've seen some, you know, some big name pastors kind of be called out, some yep. for do- leading, domineering, you know, and just being abusive in the church, some for covering up, you know, certain abuses that may be going on. Um, we have seen folks who have been hurt by the church from the perspective of not really being willing to grasp the issues of the day regarding race yeah. um, and brutality. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just been several, a myriad of different things in which folks have um, have been have been just writhing in pain over in which they would say is caused by the church. Right. In you writing this book, how does all of that land on you? Mm. And how did it land on you as you were, you know, writing uh, from you know, from your perspective, that's a good question. Well, with that awesome, awesome question, man. I think I think first let let let's just have a working definition of of how we're framing this conversation, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And so you know, you no know, church hurt refers to the pain inflicted by religious institutions, their members, and their leadership. And this pain can distance their sufferers from communities and sometimes even from God. Wow. And I think it's important that we. That, that that's how I wanted to define it in the book Very because helpful. oftentimes we make it simply about the person mm-hmm. and we miss we miss that this person houses a soul that Jesus died for. Mm. And so 
too often when a person talks about the hurt that they have experienced, the church immediately goes into defense mode of my church isn't like that mm. without actually addressing the issue at hand. This person has experienced some type of trauma. They've experienced something, whether structurally or personally, and we need to address that. We, we don't need to run from that. Mm -hmm. And knowing that no one has more church hurt than Jesus, Ooh. because literally the church turned on him, but Jesus still died for the church, yeah. was one of the reasons for me to write this book is oh. to say, as jacked up as she is, as as much acne as she has, oh, come on. Jesus still says, that's my boo. Uh, right. And so we need to acknowledge the issues that the church has when it relates to um, when we, instead of being a covering, we've covered up. Come on. That's a good one. And, and because things like that have happened, we have to say, listen, people are affected and it's affecting how people see God. And I want to say, hold on, let, let's call a timeout so that we can stop blaming Christ for what Christians do. Huh. And we can get back to who he is and what he has done for us. And so I felt the weight of just the pain, uh, the countless stories. And I say this in the book because I think it's, it's, it's important for me as a pastor to acknowledge this. I've experienced church hurt and sadly I've caused it. Mm -hmm. That it's, we, we, we can't get away from this reality of all these imperfect people under a roof. Mm, right. I don't, I don't believe it was ever intentional but at the same time, still owning that there will be times that we hurt each other, but we can also be a part of each other's healing. Mm. So what I wanted to do is acknowledge, acknowledge the hurt and pain, but but disagree with the conclusion of deconstruction. Mm -hmm. Come on. Because that's what we're seeing for many where the hurt does not get addressed or it is swept up. Like I said, it's a covering and it's a cover up rather than a covering. Love that. And then people and an apostasy. And so I want to say, hey, let's let's acknowledge the blemishes of the church, mm -hmm. but still recognize she's the bride of Christ and she was worth his life. So she's worth us fighting for. But let's not act like we don't have these issues. Mm. Yeah, I think that that's really good, um, <clears throat> especially because I love how you talked about not only have you been hurt <laughs> by the church, but you have been complicit in it as well, as we all have. Yes. Um, and I think that you even talk about in the book, um, there was a there was a, a part in there where you were talking about like unrealistic expectations. Yeah. But one of the things that you said yeah. is that you said God did not give us the church as an escape from the problems and imperfections, but... Uh, right. so that we could have the gift of each other even in our imperfection, mm. right? And so yeah. we come to the church yeah. thinking, okay, this is an amazing place. God's people are here. God is here. And because of that, uh, we are coming here and we're going to we're gonna be outside the world of problems and imperfections, mm. right? I'm yeah. not going to experience what I experience in the world out That's there right. in here, right? Um, but <laughs> it is, it, it is actually not true that that happens. Right. Um, but what are some ways that we could, what is, what is some of like the, the, the kind of pre-work that we can do in ourselves to be prepared yes. for such a thing? Because we are going to be hurt by each other and we're going to do <clears throat> some of the hurting. Yeah. yeah. So what, what should yeah. we be thinking about in the meantime to prepare us for that, to prepare to be hurt Come on, sir. and to prepare to have the humility to know that we are going to be doing the hurting at times? Yes. 
So, uh, so <clears throat> it's interesting, right? That that Jesus compares the church to a marriage. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and so, oftentimes, people come into marriage thinking, "Hey, marriage is going to fix my lust issue." Yes. Ooh. No, it's not. Uh, come on. Marriage is going to fix my communication problems. No, it's going to highlight them. Yeah. Uh. Marriage, marriage is going to wipe away all of my family of origin issues. No, it's going to bring them up. And so it's interesting that he would use that example because what a marriage does, when you commit to that woman, you commit to that man, it puts a HD special view and a very bright camera on those issues. Now, this is what happens in the church. So I think step one is to come into the church with realistic expectations that not not everyone's perfect. You're going to be let down and you're going to let someone down. Yeah, yeah. And again, like in my case, it's not intentional, but people have, people. when you're a pastor, people put you on a pedestal that you should not be on. For sure. Mm-hmm. And and so it, it, so, it, so it happens. So I think first is just having these realistic expectations. Number two, be quick repenters. Mm-hmm. Be quick repenters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so when when that happens, being willing to own, even if I'm, Four percent of the of the issue own a hundred percent of your four percent, and be willing and be willing to be willing to apologize and to engage people uh, with that. Be quick to forgive, um, and forgiveness forgiveness does involve an acknowledgement of wrongdoing. Yeah, right. Yeah. And so a- acknowledge the wrong that was done, and don't don't sweep it under the rug. Yeah. Right. And 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 realize this when it was happening. I, I tell people when you're seeking forgiveness, don't beat, don't try to beat the person into forgiving you. Don't bargain. Mm. Don't try to bargain with the person and in, in, in trying and in, in trying to forgive you. Um, but own, yeah, own the issue so that you can you can move forward in yeah. a way that's gonna that's gonna achieve healing. So these are a few things that I think we need to do on the front end. But then also when the offense happens, right? Yeah, scripture tells us how to address it for the sake of reconciliation. I want to, um, that's amazing, Pastor. Amen. Um, I want to have you tease out the own the four percent, own 100% of even the 4% you contributed. I want you to tease that out a little bit because uh, in the context of interpersonal communication, interpersonal relationships, um, there is this, I don't want to call it a phenomenon. We'll just call it this um, this uh, reality that a lot of the strife um, that persists among us, uh, it kind of um, kind of lives and dies on the idea of who was the most wrong here. Um, and so if I think about you did something to me that I think was egregious, but you feel like I did something to you that was egregious and I want you to apologize and you want me to apologize. If both of us are in this place where uh, either A, I'm trying to, I'm discerning that what was done to me is actually heavier than what I did to you. So for me to even apologize to you, I need you to apologize first. You got to show me the water safe for me to get in before I actually come forward with my apology. That is uh, that that is that that is one perspective in uh, these interpersonal 
realities that stops us from being able to move forward. And the other thing is, and I would love for you to get to this too, and I've seen this in my own life, um, sometimes someone will feel injured by you. And the injury that they're feeling, they, they believe it's something you did on purpose, that it was an intentional thing, you, you, you had the knowledge, the, the, the know-how, the resource, and you still went against that and you did this thing or did not do this thing to me. And no matter how you try to explain it or uh, try to give context or, uh, you, 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 or justify, it's not accepted. You did me wrong. I need an apology. So there is, in one sense, in my own life, I have found it, I have found it, advantageous for me sometimes to apologize even when I'm not certain that we are on the same page about what I'm apologizing about. But then there's a part of you that feels like you are dishonoring yourself. You're, 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 you're going to like turning down your own dignity. Uh, where, where does it come into play where I am willing to put aside what I think was, where I think the emphasis of the the discipline should fall, which I don't think it should fall on me. I think it should, it should fall on the other person. But we're not getting anywhere if I insist upon that. What happens as I process the right way to respond right. in these very messy situations where there's a, it's nuanced. You see things that I don't see. I see things that you don't see. You think that I've done wrongs that I have no idea how you got there. I can't explain it. You can't explain it. It's like an impasse of, you know, chaos. Mm. What d- Does that relate to the owning your 4%? Yeah. Yeah. Or what? Yeah, yeah. So I think first, First, I would say, uh, especially since we're going to have both that are going to listen, right? We're going to have the offender and the victim. And so I would first say, while sin doesn't have any weight, um, how we're sinned against has different levels of trauma. So, for instance, you ignoring me on purpose is harmful and hurtful, but it's not going to impact me the same way as a woman who gets raped. And so being that we've had both of these happen in the church, I do think it's important to say, hey, yes, reconciliation and meeting, but we're not going to tell that sister to meet one-on-one with your rapist uh, in the heart of reconciliation, especially when the church has shown that they want to be a cover-up rather than a spiritual covering. Mm -hmm. So I think it's important Mm -hmm. that we just kind of lay out because there's different levels of trauma that people have experienced while sin is not weighed the degree of trauma that people have experienced and that has been impacted and done against them does have different levels of collateral damage. So I think it's important that we say that. Yeah, absolutely. Now, to your question, to your direct question, uh, uh, I'm a Bible guy, so I would look at 1 Corinthians 9. 1 Corinthians 9, Paul is being questioned because, and this is interesting because I I have a chapter called Attack from the Pews, which deals with how pastors get hurt. Mm -hmm. And so in, in 1 Corinthians 9, they're literally questioning Paul's apostleship because he's given up his rights as an apostle. Mm. Right. And so Paul says, I, I have a right to a wife. I have a right to, I have a right to, he, 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 there, there's some C's, right? So first there's this confrontation. They confront him about, is he the real apostle? Paul responds with another C, compensation. I have a right to get paid mm. uh, because I put in the work. 
Why? The third C, because I've been commissioned by God. Uh-huh. How do you know? The fourth C is because I contextualize the gospel to the Jew. I became a Jew uh, to those under the law, like those under the law, those not under the law, like one not under the law to the weak. I became weak. I became all, 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 but only some are going to get saved. Yeah. And then that gets me to the fifth C. He says, I do this to complete. So I run the race like you're going to get the prize. Right. Now, what does that have to do with your question? Paul lays aside these rights for the sake of a soul in order to complete the race. Yeah. And so there are times where I may need to set aside my right to be right mm. for the sake of reconciliation. That's good. Wow. That's and so uh, we, we just have to have that discernment because Paul gives up compensation in 1 Corinthians. Yep. But he said, hey, send that gift quick to the church at Philippi. Yeah. So there was a discernment to where, hey, I need that gift, <laughs> right. but I'm going to give it up here. He said, and so it's not a one-size-fits-all. It's not a one-size-fits-all when you're talking about trauma, pain, relational damage. And we and that's the problem. We try to give a one-size-fits-all yeah. Yeah. when that's just not the case. It doesn't mean that the Word of God doesn't work or doesn't it isn't applicable. It is. Mm-hmm. But we have to use wisdom. This is why Job writes in Job chapter 16, verse 1, he says, I've heard all these things before. You guys, and this is in your word, miserable comforters. Yes, mm. he did. That's what he calls spiritual people, miserable comforters. In the church, in many ways, we've been miserable comforters when it hurt, when it comes to hurt people yeah. dealing with spiritual trauma. Yeah. And so we, we need to give up our rights for the sake of healing and wholeness of the other person. That's good. Yeah, I think um, it's it's good to hear that there's a discerning mm-hmm. um, approach that has to be taken to each of these particular dramas that happen with inside the community. Because I I'm I'm again I'm reflecting on my own life and my own relationships, and there are. And I would say most times when I insist that my right to be right is acknowledged by everyone or we ain't going nowhere, then we end up not ever going anywhere. Mm -hmm. Or it is oftentimes that when I can set my insistence upon being right aside, that then Mm -hmm. opens me up to focus on what I did contribute to the situation. Mm -hmm. Because I am never innocent, even though I didn't intend anything, right. it's not as if I don't have anything on my hands. And I think that there's a, uh, a, you can become so zealous in your intentions and right. who you believe yourself to be, that to even acknowledge that you are a part of somebody's pain would be some kind of, you know, uh, blasphemy. And uh, and I think that that's a self-righteousness, right. that that's pride. And I, I certainly... Like I, I said, most times, in fact, there are situations that I have in my heart that I wish I can go back to and stop insisting upon my right to be right and, and making sure all of the, the right. stories are perfectly aligned and, and that you own every single bit of what you, I wish I could like travel back in time and say, KB, stop. This, this, this is not, there'll be a <laughs> yeah. time for this. There'll be a time to work through this, but right now isn't the time, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, however, right. I also think that that is, um, that is the most virtuous, uh, praiseworthy way for Christians to kind of handle conflict in our culture. Uh, well, at least it's one of them. But it also opens up another issue. Because I'm thinking about a brother I know who was pastoring at a church and the church 
structure was just to say say flawed was an understatement. Um, there end up being all kind of abuses that the pastoral leadership was involved in. They abused him mm-hmm. and his family, mm-hmm. um, and they didn't make they didn't they didn't make a month. They didn't say anything about it. They they sort of they they took it on the chin. They were quiet about it, like good soldier, soldiers. They stayed in the church, uh, and they essentially went into a non-official NDA uh, to protect the, the the community or, or protect the reputation of the church. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they justified this being the godly thing to do because they were setting aside their right to be right. They they were like, no, I'm, Jesus would have me to be sacrificial, whatever, so on and so forth. But what that meant was years later, uh, more and more stories of abuse came out oh, yeah. uh, to the point that arrests were made. Yeah. Um, so I love that yeah. there's a discerning piece. Help us sift through that a little bit too because uh, yeah. our yeah. leaning is to maybe... Can, we can often weaponize the need for Christians to sacrifice to protect mess. Right. Now, yeah. No, that's 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 an excellent question, man. Because you know it, it's interesting. I, I've I've been in a lot of reformed circles, and they would be quick to point out, you know, that the the verse "Touch not thine anointed, and do my servant no harm." had nothing to do with basically giving a pastor a get-out-of-jail-free card, yeah, right? Yeah. Admittedly, and I would agree with that yeah. hermeneutic. Like, right. that verse is not a verse for your pastor to do whatever he wants. Right. But they've functionally applied that in some circles where, like I said, it was a cover-up right. and not a covering. Mm. And so if we're going to be biblical, when Paul writes to the church at Ephesus in Ephesians 4.32, Forgive as Christ has forgiven you. Okay, how has Christ forgiven us? Well, we admit our wrong. Like a part of our our soteriology, the study of salvation is there's this admission of wrongdoing. Mm-hmm. And it's not our rightness that saves us. It's grace and through faith. But we must acknowledge our sin against the God of all creation. Mm. And so for us to forgive as Christ has forgiven us, the church, if there's wrongdoing, needs to acknowledge, in this case, the abuse, the rape, the cover-up that has happened to people. Yeah. Because that's what biblical forgiveness involves. Yes. An admission. Yes. A confession. Yes. And this is what James tells us. Confess your what faults that you may be healed. Uh, James right, 5, right. 16. So, so, so we're told this in the scriptures. And so the out, that's good. it's... it's it's not discerning biblically when you're covering up a wrongdoing. Yeah. That's that's not that's not biblical discernment. Yes. And so when we're covering up, it's not biblically sacrificial. Right. Right. And yeah. so I think it's important that we we let we don't re-victimize the victims by telling them that they're being godly by ignoring their trauma. Absolutely. Absolutely. That is that, but this is this is how we spiritualize the cover up. Yeah, is we try to use verses on sacrifice, right? And that yes, Jesus has covered my sin with His blood, but He still calls it sin. Yes, mm. and He wants us to repent of sin. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. So we don't then tell someone who's been sinned against 
to cover the sinner when we're now enabling their sin. Wow, right, wow. right, on, right. If we want, if we want, if we, so caring about them is exposing yeah. what they're doing to people yeah. so that others aren't hurt. Yes. So that, so the exposure mm-hmm. is actually the biblical response. Right, yeah. right. Not the cover up. That's good. Yeah. That's really good. I want to piggyback off of and that. And I think that's, oh. yeah. No, go ahead. I didn't mean no, to cut go you ahead. off. I, I was just saying that's, that's, now you're good. You're good at me. Yeah, I would. I, I was gonna say that because that reminds me of when 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 we see someone that is you that are using <laughs> the scriptures in such a way, it is a way in which they are weaponizing what the word of God says for a type of abuse or manipulation, right? For abuse, a kind of control, right? Yeah. It reminds me of there's a quote that you actually have in your book. By Diane Langberg, which if folks don't know Diane Langberg, uh, holla at her. She's really good when it comes to talking about these things as well. Uh, but she has a she has a quote uh, in your book when he says when she says, "My love of God, my faith, my extraordinary desire to live the will of God. Those are the very parts of me that were transformed into weapons that savaged and destroyed me." Ooh, right. Yeah. So it's it's mm. my desire to be. My desire to cover my brothers and my sisters' sins, to yep. forgive, yep. to be full of grace, gets taken advantage of yeah. to silence me or to cause me to kind of let them go yeah. without there being exposure or proper repentance, yeah. right? Yeah. And so I think that we see that that happens in churches, but I'm thinking about how we think about abuse, like we understand abuse. I think a lot of folks understand abuse when it comes to the overt forms of abuse. Like sure. if we think about like some of the prosperity, prosperity pimps or like yeah, maybe yeah, prosperity yeah. pastors. <laughs> yeah. But what are some of the red flags that we should look for Ooh. in which to be able to discern whether or not someone is using these truths of God or my desire to be godly yes. against me yes. in a form of abuse or, you know, weaponization. Yes. yes. What should I look for to know if that's happening to me yeah. or not? Yeah. One, one is unlimited loyalty. Oof. And, and what I mean by unlimited loyalty is loyalty to them means more than loyalty to the scriptures. Wow. And so if, if the scripture disagrees with them, they want you to be loyal to them. Oof. Number two, manipulation. When they the when they are manipulating you with an ending of the relationship, if you don't agree or handle the situation the way they deem as best to handle the situation. Man. And these are things that I've experienced as a member prior to pastoring. Yeah. <laughs> Is this unlimited loyalty, uh, spiritual manipulation, um, flattery. Flattery. Flattery is not encouragement. Flattery is buttering you up because it wants something in return. Yeah. Mm. It wants more from you than it wants for you. Yeah. Flattery wants more from you than it wants for you. And so recognize when they're flattering you, but then it always comes with some type of favor. It's not just encouragement without expectation when you're seeing that. Yeah. Um, Secrecy. Uh, Secrecy where they want you to confess your sins, but when it's time for them, they're really they're really general, they're vague, and KG. they're unspecific. Uh, this person, this this person is now uh in psych in psychology they call it triangulation. You're being triangulated by this person so that you can be controlled by them. 
Wow. So that they can pretty much predict your move. Uh. And so these are things that we want to we want to begin to look out for. If you're in leadership, mm-hmm. one of the ways we're abused is unreal is is unspoken expectation. And I don't know that I didn't meet the expectation until I break it. And now you tell me how I failed you yep. when I didn't even know I was performing for you to begin with. Yeah. Ooh, yes. And so this thing goes both ways. This goes both ways. That's why I have a chapter specifically for pastors and leaders on how we, we get hurt. Yeah. Right. And so you, you have to look for, these are a few things that we need to look for. And so that unlimited loyalty, manipulation, you know, secrecy, uh, isolation, uh, isolation that they're, they're not trying to be in community except for when the community benefits them. Yeah. Right. Wow. So these are things that we, we, we definitely, we definitely want to look for. And then lastly, man, uh, I would say uh, using the scriptures to beat rather than build. Wow. And wow. so when you, when you use the, when you use like, like, you know, the whole touch not down anointed, or we use this idea of Christ covering us. And so we should cover uh, this person's molestation of a child. Wow. Like what, why would, why would no, no Christ died to expose that. That's right. Yes. He died to expose that. That's what he did. He exposes it and he still gives grace to that person who's done it, but he's not going to act like it didn't happen. Right. Which is why there's confession, which is why Paul writes, forgive as you've been forgiven. That's right. We're not forgiven. There is this, there isn't this, this, the Bible doesn't have this concept of repentless forgiveness. Ooh. It says, you know, forgive, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. People think that Jesus was just saying that everyone's forgiveness. No. Forgiven. That's universalism. Right. That's, that's definitely not, not what he was saying. Of that text. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, not the, that's, not the, that's not the application of that text. And so people try to use that text to say, well, well yeah, just, well, if that's the case, then. Doesn't that undermine our gospel? Right. No. But forgiveness, forgiveness involves an admission of wrongdoing. Yeah. Right. And the beauty of it is you wronged me, but I'm still choosing to forgive you. That's the beauty of the gospel. Yeah, I love it. He knows everything about us. Yeah. But still chooses to die. And from the perspective of the cross, KB and I mean, all of our sins were in the future, and he still died. I love uh, it. Yeah, yeah. All of all oh, of Lord. it was future sin from the perspective of the cross. Yeah, yeah. Yes. And he still died. Yeah. But forgiveness is not a cover-up. And so we, yeah. we cannot co-sign or affirm this. Amen. That is powerful. Let me ask you this, uh, Pastor. When uh again, I, I'm I'm thinking about my own kind of commitment to God's bride um, and how like in a marriage when folks can you know weather the valleys um, that if that they can hold on uh, the mountain will be such uh, of such wonder and glory and completeness that you will you will uh you will almost see the valley as uh, a, a, a distant memory, and, uh, and and marriages often work like that. They, they, if you if y'all can get through the storm, you'll come out on the other end um, better off. At what point, though, Pastor, as folks are thinking about the churches in which they are in, 
that at what point have they crossed over the line of enduring the valley? Okay, like we're no longer enduring the valley. The kind of abuse that's happening here is such that we need to abandon the mission. Ooh, we need to leave. Good question. Where, mm. as, as people are, because on some level, not I appreciate, um, yeah, uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer's Life Together. In fact, uh, our pastor referenced this uh, mm -hmm. book on uh, Sunday. On Sunday, great book. Um, but we 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 uh, have walked through that book several times. Um, good friend of mine, Mike Donhey, put me on it, and uh, years ago, and. One of the things that Dietrich Bonhoeffer says is that the sooner that you can understand that that this this uh, this church, this fellowship, is not the fulfillment of all your dreams of 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 uh, you know utopia, yeah, and uh, and nirvana. Soon as you can get past that, we can finally start having church. We need <laughs> the dreams to fizzle, uh, but some places are so unlike the kingdom they are so harmful of a of a culture and, and environment that really nobody should be trying to endure that this is the kind of situations where we're not trying to strengthen sheep we need to talk about what it means to shoot wolves so help me understand pastor help us understand as we think about our own church hurt what are there degrees is there a spectrum what kind of things should i be looking at when it when it comes to enduring the valley, or perhaps saying that this is maybe not what God would have me to be? Oof. Good question. Yeah, I think first is really seeking uh, discernment from the Lord on what exactly is he telling you to endure? Mm. Because I think there, there are certain things that we don't, we, we shouldn't endure false teaching. Like, you know, fa you know false, yeah. false teaching uh, uh, that Paul it calls a curse. Yeah. In Galatians one eight. Yeah. Amen. So but let's say they pass the they pass the doctrine test, uh, at least from a an orthodoxy standpoint. Yeah. Well, there's another test. So it's not just right teaching. There's there's not just orthodoxy. There's orthopraxy. Yeah. So there's there's right there's right belief, but then there's also right living. That's right. And so now we have a biblical right. We have a biblical right. So a church can pass the orthodoxy test and and if, if you're heavily reformed, they can they can hit you there or, or, or whatever. If you're somewhere in between, they can they can pass your doctrine test. But now let's look at the orthopraxy. If if Jesus says they shall know you are my followers by your love for one another in right. John 13, right? Then what what does the love test look like from the church? Mm. How, how are they loving? How are they engaged? And again, no church is perfect. Vision Church is far from perfect. I pastor it. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the pastor. I know we're we're imperfect, right? Yeah. So, uh, but but what is is there an intentional pursuit to disciple people? Yeah. Is there a pursuit to repent when things are wrong? Yeah. Uh, is there is there um, is the church hurt personal or structural? And so, uh, let me put this up. You know, personal church hurt. This is when a believer hurts another believer or when a representative of the church doesn't operate in love that they deal with others. So you need to define, is it personal or is one-on-one -on -one, or is it the other? Is it structural? Wow, that's good. Structural church hurt, this is when leadership focuses on themselves and on winning people to themselves and sees the church as a means to be served rather than to serve like Jesus talks about in Mark 10, 45. Wow, 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 wow. So if there's a structural, if there's a structural setup 
where the eldership is not operating to lead, feed, know, care, protect, which is the five things a biblical elder or pastor should do. Right. But they're operating like uh, Ezekiel, where the priest, the Bible says, cared more for themselves than the people. Wow. Then I think you want to, you want to get from under that because yeah. a pastor, based on Hebrews thirteen seventeen, has to give an account to God for your soul. Oof. And if that if that person, if structurally there's no account, if structurally they don't smell like the sheep, mm. yeah. if they're not around, if they're not pursuing, then I think you have a biblical a biblical reason uh, to transition just to a church that's healthy and authentic. None of us will have perfect churches. Sure. But we can be healthy and we can be authentic. So that's I think good. those are the things we're looking, looking at the, all right, they need to pass the orthodoxy and the orthopraxy test, yeah, yeah, not yeah, just sure. one or the other. That's good. No, that's really good. That's I mean, really I'm going to give you the next uh, question, but I, I just... No, go ahead. I want to just underscore something you just said, Pastor, that I think is important as I think about what it means for me to be committed to an imperfect church, which is what all church commitment is. Yes. Uh, and there will yes. be valleys. Yes. There will absolutely be valleys. Yes. Uh, there'll be disillusionment. Uh, disillusionment. There, there, there will also be... Uh, you. you grow complacent. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, there, there are, there's, we are people that often become unsatisfied with God. There's no doubt that we're going to become unsatisfied with God's people and, and uh, God's right. house. That is a feature of the fall. So for us to be committed to a, a church community, it, it necessitates that brokenness is going to be present. Or as our good friend mm -hmm. Keith Keesler says, broken things have sharp edges, so when they get close to each other, they cut. cut each other. Mm -hmm. They cut. Um, mm. But what, mm. what what you said that was so helpful, and which, what I think, because I, I mean, and I both have the churches that, we've only been really been a part of two churches for the most part for our whole church, uh, Christian life, uh, long periods of time at those churches, many years. Mm -hmm. Um seven years, 10 years. Um, if at the end of the day, even through my pain and through where I feel like think, through my disillusionment, through my dissatisfaction, even through my discouragement or hurts, if I can think of on, on the structure, if I can think of the heart of the leadership as filled with people that take serious the health of my soul, that they're having to present God's people mature in Christ on that day that they stay up at night thinking about that, that they're concerned about who I am in my formation project in terms of discipleship, service of, of the community, service of my family, being who God has called me to be. If, that, if that's top tier for them, is that the burden of this community or is it something else? Is it a brand? Uh, is it loyalty to, to pastor and first lady? Uh, is it all of us adjusting to their agenda or their vision to multiply 50 times? Th those things are discerned oftentimes pretty accurately by the people who are sitting and listening to this every week. And if the answer can be yeah. the former, not the latter, then even it gives me confidence as we weather through the, 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 the brighter day. On the on the rainy days, you know what I'm saying. So, anyways, means you can ask the next question. No, no, that was good. 
That was good. Um, thank you. Thank you yeah, for that yeah. too. Yeah. Um, I love that. Well, first of all, I'm thinking about when we talk about church hurt, a lot of the times it goes, we're talking about it on a one-way street. This is why I love what you've done in the book. A lot of the times when we're talking about church hurt, we're only talking about the church hurting us yeah. as the members. Yeah. We do not talk mm-hmm. about it going the other way yeah. with us hurting leadership. Yeah, forget that guy. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Um, we mm-hmm. can take our pastors a lot of the times for granted. All of the things that they have to go through mm-hmm. in a, forget a month or a week, a day, Yeah, right? It could seem like if you are just (laughs) sitting in the pews and you are not being very thoughtful and considerate of what leadership is doing, it could feel like the only thing that my pastor is doing is showing up here on Sunday and preaching, shaking hands after church, praying for some people. And taking 10% of my paycheck. (laughs) Taking taking, Mm -hmm. taking my money and going home, right? Coming back, maybe coming back on a Wednesday for a Bible study. You know what I'm saying? Leading a small group. And that's pretty much it, right? Um, But when you really take into consideration what true shepherds that smell like the sheep are really doing, how many people that they they are calling, how many people they're visiting, who they're praying for, having to balance their own family, their own weaknesses, their family's weaknesses, their marriage, their health issues, the health issues of members of the church. I mean, there's several different things that pastors are doing uh, in, a, in a day, even things that they cannot get to right. that members may not even see or appreciate. It's easy for us, as you said in the book, to think about pastors as positions and not people, mm, mm, mm. right? That yeah. and, and that yeah. is one way in which we can, as the as those who are sitting in the pews, harm the leadership. Because you talk to us as a pastor <laughs> a little bit more about that perspective of seeing that harm going the other way. Because honestly, if I could be honest, that's something that I don't hear a lot about. Yeah. Um, and I can understand from the pastor's point of view, it can seem like, is this, does this? See, but I also you know, think it's a part of what we were talking about earlier, right. how how stalwart and praise worthy it is to seem like mm-hmm. you are just constantly covering up sin. Not, so, so uh, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, not, not covering sin, but covering up sin, turning right. your other cheek. You're unfazed, untouched, unmarked. Uh, always, the, I'm on the high road. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'm too, con- I'm too blessed, too connected to God <laughs> to be stressed. I think that's also a part of the the, the 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 masculine way of of godly pastoring is not Oof. being one that acknowledges that you have been hurt or that you have felt hurt. You know what I'm saying? So, anyways, that that True. wasn't his question, but I I do think there's a, some there's some connection here. No, no, that's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Well, yeah, yeah. Paul Paul Tripp's book Lead, yeah, his book Lead, you know, addresses with how sometimes the teams can end up exploiting the leader. Like he he needs to repent for his his narcissism, uh, but sometimes people benefit from their narcissism because you know they his teaching gift becomes a source of their livelihood. Woo. So I think it's important that that we we understand that that pastors uh, get exploited. Uh, can be exploited. And so one of the things I do in that chapter, it's called Attack from the Pews, is I just start off with a, a regular day. 
of when the guy gets up and the moment he gets up, he's getting text messages. He's trying to help his wife get the, the kids ready. His wife got a new dress. He forgot to say something. Yeah. She gives him the side eye. So he flirts with her. They get in the car. He gets out of the car. Somebody says, I need to meet with you. He gets a text message from another family member. And then it was 830. Yeah. All of this was before he even got up. He's thinking about the text. Somebody says they want to meet with him after service. So all of this is going on. And the pastor has been preparing uh, uh, for several days, commentary, you know, reading the Bible, praying through it, asking yeah. God for examples, maybe even props, if that's your thing. He's doing all of this. And then, you know, that after service moment is a very vulnerable moment when you poured hours into a 40 to 45 minute message. Yeah. And why we should not, we should not live for the applause or, or, or but we, we want to know that we're being effective. And so it's important that people know that true shepherds are putting in all this work so that someone would get saved and so that someone will continue to walk out the sanctification that God is doing in their lives. And because we love Jesus and we love the people, God has called us to pastor. Yeah. And so we, we get hurt when we're pouring, 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 and we found out through Facebook that you joined another church. Yeah. Even though, Oof. even though we did your we did your premarital counseling, yep, yep. we did your postmarital counseling. Yep. We've come to your house. Yep. We've prayed with you. And and the moment you were done with me, you just went to the church up the street. Yeah. Or you went to the new church. Yeah. And and, and, and listen, it's part of it. It's going to happen. Paul says, I am spent because of the churches. Yeah. And so that's part of our call. But what I love about Hebrews 13, 17 is it says that the pastor must give an account for your soul, but it says that the church should make it a joy for him to do yes. something. Yes, that is. And yeah, so it's, we don't that, hear about it's, that. It, it says, hey, hey pastor, part. here's your responsibility. But, but church, don't forget that you have a responsibility as yes, well. Right. And so I think it's just so important that that when, when we're criticized for confronting some of your favorite artists, when it's clearly they're displaying witchcraft, and you defend the artist, yeah. but not the pastor that's fighting for your soul, Oof. we experience hurt. When people just leave without saying anything, and now our daughters are asking, what happened to that couple? They don't see us answering those questions mm -hmm. when people leave freely. Mm. And so church hurt is something that you can leave with, but I have to lead with. Mm. Right. And that's what people don't understand. You can leave with it. I got to lead with it. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And, and go back and continue to pastor and not exploit the people who hurt me. Yes. Because you often find yourself fighting for, fighting for people who want to fight with you. Yeah. And that's the tension that pastors constantly live with. And you see it with Paul, right? He's fighting for them, but they want to fight with him right. in First Corinthians. Yeah. Thank, thank God for Chloe, because Chloe is the one who wrote. That's the whole reason which she wrote him. Like, it's a whole bunch of drama, Paul. And so he has to address all of this. And so those are just a few of the things that, that people don't see. Your wife, it's hard for her to have relationships because she doesn't know if you're really trying to leverage that relationship to get close to the pastor uh. or to try to find some dirt. So you're, you're constantly in this place of tension and who can I trust? Mm. Who can I trust? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who can we trust? Yeah. Who, who just loves us? Who, who, when can I mess up? Yeah. And, yeah. I, and I'm not talking about ongoing spiritual abuse, but 
you know, and so you're constantly living in this space. And so I pray that people will read that chapter to get an understanding of what pastors go through. That's powerful. And like I said, you, Raleigh has over 900 churches. You can leave vision and replace it quick. People hurt me. I have to stay and be committed because I got to finish the race. That's beautiful. And so it's th- those are just a few things I pray that people begin to understand. Mm. Uh, that's powerful. Um, before we get off of that uh, topic on in terms of pastors being injured, because this is important. Um, I'm sure you're aware of the the ways in which pastors are leaving the ministry in in numbers that are shocking. Uh, also taking their own lives uh, in numbers that are are shocking. Um, There's obviously something happening in North American Christianity where in a lot of ways, uh, the, I guess the word for it would be that in some sense, there's an implosion happening, happening. And I think in some, Mm -hmm. there are, there, I I was reading um, the other day, some of the the statistics on uh, just, you know, people, uh, churches folding um, and and people leaving the pastorate and ministry and and leaving their faith, all that kind of stuff. And I hear some people react to that in the way that you would, uh, in the way someone would react to a a story that's out, a narrative that's out that is giving uh, a, a bad, it's just basically giving people a bad uh, um, view of who they are. So. They want to get PR, right? They want to think through ways in which they can say, well, it's actually not that bad. If you actually take the numbers, flip them upside down and squint, it's that we're actually growing if you if you really pay attention. Uh, there's a defensiveness because it's important to maintain a veneer of dominance in the church's expression uh, in, in America. But the, we, we're not stupid. We can read and we're also living in communities where we're watching what feels like a kind of the Christianity of the land, if you will, uh, is going through a kind of crumbling. Um, In terms of these devastating realities and what they mean for churches going out of existence, pastors, as I mentioned before, taking their own lives or leaving the ministry, what do you think is going on and how do God's people as the other part of that verse in Hebrews says, how do we support our leaders to stop this kind of thing from happening? Because let me just say this last thing. Because we show up to the church wanting our pastors to give a full service spiritual sort of uh, experience uh, that we don't factor ourselves into, that we come to receive what they have put together for us to experience. (laughs) I don't see, we often don't see ourselves as being uh, just as active in the success of this community as the leadership is. Yeah, it's like like if you have a car maintenance place and they do tires, oil, all of this stuff, the pastor does all of that, but you don't see yourself in there doing anything. You don't change the tire, you don't put... (laughs) I'm sitting in the lobby (laughs) waiting for you to get done. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So where's our role in this as members? So I, I know I asked you a lot, but... Help us, help us yeah, think yeah, yeah. through that. Mm-hmm. 
So I think to, to the first part of the question, like what's what's happening, it's there is nuance, right? And so on, on one end, so again, it's, this is not a one size fit all. For, for some, some pastors are trying to be Superman. Yeah. And so they're, 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 they have to come to grips with the reality that they're not omni-gifted. Mm. And wow. God uses the ministry to show them, bro, you're not omni-gifted. I already gave you an example of this in Exodus with Jethro and Moses. Yeah. You can't do, you can't do everything. Yeah. You don't have every gift. And I've rigged your life this way mm -hmm. so that you can experience the interdependence and the kononia of the community of faith. That's good. And when a leader rejects that, they slowly begin to go more into the idolatry that is pastor such and such. And when that is taken from them, they don't feel like they have anything else to live for. Huh. And so in some cases, it's the Superman pastor. Others, it's the exploited pastor. Huh. And this is the pastor who has to answer to a deacon board who aren't elders but are functioning as elders, and they're giving him a hard time for every decision that he wants to make. Yeah. And his heart is right. He wants to serve, and these people are getting in his way intentionally. And for some, he's, he's frustrated with the, the people who's in his way but yet, for whatever reason, doesn't feel like he can leave. And in some cases, that person goes into a depression. And then just going going on seems more bearable mm. than to constantly have to always deal with contrarian, huh. opposing every decision, even if it's a good decision for the church. Good. Then you have others, others who, who, who just simply are in isolation. They're pastoring, they're preaching, but they have no friends. Wow. Because the, 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 the church has become his mistress. He does not feel like he's winning at home. Oof. He's a public success, but a private failure. And again, death seems more bearable than the facade that he's portrayed. Man. Those are just three different examples of some, sometimes why it ends in suicide. And I pray for all of them. Yeah. As it relates to the church, and, and it'll be it's some tips in the book for people uh, if you if you get it. But I would just say, you know, just just remember that as a pastor, we are members of the body, too. Uh, yes. David said the Lord is my shepherd. So he identified himself as one of the sheep. So I'm a sheep shepherd. <laughs> <That's good>. Jesus <laughs> is the, the lead or senior pastor. Right. Jesus is the head of the church. We're under shepherds. Yeah. And so don't forget that we're members of the church. Yeah. Don't don't put expectations on us that you don't communicate. Yeah. When you communicate, com and please communicate those expectations, but give me, give me the leeway to let you know that I can't meet that. Uh. Let me, allow me to let you know, hey, if if that's what you think, if you think I'm coming to every visit and every, every, uh, that I'm going to do every visit, that I'm coming to every game, every birthday I, party. No, yeah. no, no, I'm not. <laughs> I'm like, that's why it's called a plurality of elders. Right. So if a pastor, it doesn't have to be pastor gay, 
if a pastor came to your house, one of the pastors came to your the house. Church was there. Yeah. <laughs> the right. church was there. Leadership was pastor there. Pastor Gay is not the church. Pastor Gay don't do everything, and I'm not going to every meeting. Uh, allow me, if uh, allow me not to come to everything because I don't want my children to think this church was in competition with them. So, so I'm gonna miss some Bible studies. I'm gonna miss some community groups. I'm gonna miss some Sundays, not because I'm sick, but because we're on vacation. Mm, yeah, and, and, and applaud that. Applaud mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. the pastor knows that the pastor removes himself so that the church isn't built on him mm. and his preaching gift, but it's built on Christ, who's the rock. That's good. Cele- celebrate that. That's fine. Listen to other. Listen to the other lit. Support your lead pastor by still showing up when the other pastors preach. That's good. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. He's stepping on toes. <laughs> no, he's stepping when, on when the whole level. When, 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 when this is how you can support us, right? Yeah. This is how you can support us. Encourage your pastor to take a sabbatical. Yeah. Yes. It, encourage, encourage that. It, encourage that. So that's I can keep going because you know oh, this this good. is a hot button for for your boy. <laughs> no, we need <laughs> but, to hear that. But I just think. I just think, yeah, I just think it's important that that we understand those things, man. So, so sometimes, and, and again, I have no problem. Like my church knows this, and I we I have elders that support me. Hey, man, I'm I'm missing tonight because this is my daughter's senior year, and I, and I want to be at every game because yeah. she's a cheerleader. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, y- y'all know I show up. I I don't use that. Hey, hey, I want to be I, w- I want to be at this, and and let's celebrate that. Yeah, mm-hmm. Let, let's celebrate leaders. Who don't put the church before their family? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But still show a healthy commitment to the church. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Let, let's begin to celebrate. Let's begin to celebrate healthy balance as opposed to celebrating workaholism. Mm-hmm. Because that's what we celebrate. That's we right. celebrate the wrong thing. This God and never so stops. Leaders end up feeling like, yeah. So, no, that's good. Few, man, I, that's good. Yeah. Did you want to finish that thought, leaders? That was, that was a great point mm-hmm. that. That we do the 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 folks who we give the golden stars to among us are the dudes that are you know like man I'm saying this guy right here man hadn't slept in two weeks he's just pouring it out for the kingdom man it's like ah and disobeying the kingdom as well so uh, you yeah yeah right <laughs> yeah yeah the, the Sabbath the Sabbath wasn't a suggestion that's good. Yeah. It's a it's a commandment. Yeah, yeah. And 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 and, and I know I, I'm. It's hard. It's it's hard. But you know we 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 have to prioritize this. And and I think it's so important. So many of these so many leaders are not getting rest. Yeah. They 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 they're not getting rest. And and the the they they're not still pastoring because they feel called. They're still pastoring because they feel trapped. Wow. They Ooh. feel like no one else wants that seminary degree. Nobody else will hire them. They're in their late forties, and they don't want to start over. Oh, and that's that's just a that's just a reality for some. Uh, a, a guy, hey, if, if, this is not me, but hey, I'm I'm forty eight. I got an MDiv. IBM don't care about an MDiv. Uh huh. Cisco don't care about an MDiv. Yeah. And so they feel trapped. What 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 and kind so, of? Uh, how would you encourage? Because my. My sense is, and I'm no prophet, unless, well, in my mind, sometimes I am. Um, but I, I, I think that there are probably a lot of 
ministry people in that predicament where it's even if it yeah. isn't as even if it isn't as insulated as that right you know what i'm saying i have a unaccredited degree from some bible college that is only recognized by other bible colleges i can't just take these credits somewhere else or whatever it may be uh but i do think there's even just a larger experience around people being in a place because they are trapped, not because they want to be there. But in some of those very places, I can't imagine it not breaking the heart of God that they don't feel overjoyed to serve these people and overjoyed to, to be in this ministry, even if it's small and unseen or uh, that they're, First love has grown has, has grown uh, empty. Like, what do you say to that person, that pastor, that that leader who is serving out of entrapment, not out of joy? It's good. Yeah, I, I would remind them. I, I tell my church this all the time. I tell them I'm a son, husband, father, pastor in that order. Yeah. Mm. And my identity comes from my sonship because that's a title I didn't earn. Mm. Jesus made me his son. Yeah, I love it. And I have to remind myself of that so that Pastor Jerome doesn't become my identity. Mm. But Son of Christ is the foundation of my identity. <sighs> that's too good. And so I would remind that I would remind that person, I remind that brother that God didn't call you to be a pastor. He called you to be his son. Mm. And that's a title. That's a title they can't vote you out of. Come on, sir. That's a title they can't block you. They can't, they, they can't replace you. And um, we have to come back to that reality. Yeah. Because when, when I get my, if I get my identity in my fourth, because remember, son, husband, father, then for me, then vision. Vision four. Yeah. Because, because if I don't pastor well, I don't meet first Timothy. If I, if I don't, if I don't live my right wife, uh, love my wife. Yeah. Then I'm disqualified based on first Timothy three. Yeah. If I provoke my children to wrath, I'm disqualified for this one based on Ephesians six. So this is why son, husband, Father, pastor. So getting your identity from the fact that you're a son or you're a daughter, not from your leadership title, because that title can be taken. It can be taken. You can be replaced. The son or daughter title, he says in John 10, nothing, no one can pluck them out of my hand. Come on, sir. So, So let that title that you did not earn, that was given, and Jesus gave the icebreaker of the cross, he slid into your spiritual DMs to make you his son or your daughter. Yeah, 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 yeah. That has to be the foundation of your identity. Yeah. And and I'm just, and and we, and we have to fight for it because it's real easy to get caught up in, in sermons, in growth, in multiplying groups, and all these things. Yep. But it's like, nah, man, I'm a son. That's powerful. So I'm encouraged that person to come back to your sonship. And your sonship will enable you to leave 
leave if you need to with dignity, yeah, with honor, yeah, and respect, because you still you you came there as a son, and you can leave as a son. That's good. That's, That's powerful, really Pastor. That's really good. That's really good. Um, I want to ask. I, I think in the book you talk a lot also about how church hurt can cause bitterness within us. Mm-hmm. How leaders, members, all of us, what we have, of course, we have members hurting pastors, pastors hurting members, yes. members hurting members, right? Yeah. We're all these broken clay pots <laughs> with these sharp edges and we're all cutting each other, right? Um, uh, and we can't really avoid that because we're broken wow. people. Yeah. How do we avoid letting bitterness consume us and start to change us. I think you you talked about uh, how uh, church hurt could become like a spiritual autoimmune disease where we're just attacking one another, yeah. right? How the immune system starts to attack yeah. attack attack the body. We can start to attack the body out of this uh, yep. out of this out of out of this bitterness, out of trauma, out of pain, out of hurt. How do we prevent bitterness or letting bitterness swallow us whole? Yeah, I think. We, we, Ephesians 4, mm-hmm. fight for the unity, you know, through this bond of peace. Amen. Right? And so we, 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 we have to realize that the, the enemy, it says, roams around like a lion seeking whom he may, whom he may devour. Mm-hmm. But because he's cunning, he would love for us to devour each other. Yeah. Right. And, 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 and really, that's how that scripture becomes to reality. Yes. This dude in the pitchfork isn't coming down. It's us devouring each other when we cover up abuse. Right. It's us devouring each other when the person becomes the pastor is a title and not a person. It's us devouring each other when we use complementarianism as a reason to oppress women and not recognize their gifting. Say that. We devour each other when... We don't recognize the humanity and gifting in all groups of people that God has called by grace and through faith. Good. And so I think we, we have to fight against those things and come back to loving one another as Christ has loved us and being willing to forgive because when we're not, we, we, I say this, we have a posture of forgiveness and the other person needs to have a posture of acknowledgement. Yes, and when you acknowledge your wrong, when your acknowledgement of your wrong comes with my posture of forgiveness, now reconciliation can take place. Yes. Mm-hmm. Because reconciliation is impossible without confrontation. Right. We must confront whatever the reason is for the impasse in the first place. Yes. So we have to fight for and fight through those things consistently uh, so that we can live out that unity. But why does he say fight for it? Because it's under attack. Oof. It's it's an area. It's an area of attack for the enemy. And so we can't be unified around justice. We can't be unified around discipleship. We can't be unified around hermeneutics. We're, we, we're well known for what we're against and not what we're for. Right. Mm-hmm. And so we have to begin to fight for that. Now, that's on a more universal church type, right. but just on that local level. You know, we just got to fight. We got to fight for and fight through the offense and admit when we're wrong 
like I said earlier, own 100% of our 4%, be willing to forgive, and then move forward in imperfect unity mm, right. because there's a chance that I might hurt you again. Oof. Mm-hmm. Until, and, until he comes back. Yes. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. he comes back. That is true. And isn't until that... Until we get those glorified bodies and that glorified perspective and that glorified attitude that right. never... That, 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 that's always wants to be around people. We ain't got that yet. Yeah. Right. <laughs> until that happens, until that happens, we, we could have some issues. And so, uh, that's why Jesus is the answer, man. Yeah. It, he, he, he's the answer. That's powerful. And, uh, isn't that a beautiful picture of the power of God to bring people together that even in Amen. their, their cornania, their existing together as one, and their participation in the fellowship is still riddled with pain and and shortcomings and disappointments and disillusionment, and they still persist. They mm-hmm. persevere. They their souls enlarge. They yeah. become people of mercy and grace and redemption. Uh, it's a picture of how God gets things done and does what no one else can, that the impossible, uh, the unlikely, um, is the, 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 the arena in which he deals in. Um, and the church stands up as a space where there is this commitment to Jesus that is pulling all of us together. Um, as it were, the closer we get to him, the closer we get to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, so this has been amazing, uh, Pastor Jerome. This has been a fantastic, yes, thank you, fan, fan, fantastic conversation. Before we go, I do want to open it up uh, mm-hmm. to the audience and give them a chance to ask some questions. Something that we might have missed. Absolutely. Yes, yes. But just another reminder: Church Hurt is out now. Uh, get you a copy. In fact, get you five or six. You know what I'm saying? There it is. It is available now. Get you about five, six, seven of them things. Give them to give them to your mama, your grand. You might, yeah. it, might it might be a starting point Please. to give to somebody and say, "Hey, hey, brother." That's right. I just want to let in you fact, know. If you are in a conflict right now in your church, I want you to buy this book for you and whoever you're in conflict with. If it's a bunch of people, you might be in conflict with 10, 15 people. Yeah. Buy 10, 15 of them, okay? And I want you to just walk up to them and silently drop it off in their hands and say, "We're gonna talk about this in one week, okay?" Do that. And then get back to me and tell me how everything is fixed now. God bless you. And you're welcome. <laughs> All right. We got a question right here. Let's see. And you're watching. I, can you elaborate on the element social trends, enemy, natural, everyday problems that are uh, bank, uh, banking on us being bitter? Yeah, yeah. I, I would just say, you know, when, when, we, when we dismiss um, when we dismiss how 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 God addresses everything in His Word, but because we don't like the source that it comes from, it can contribute to bitterness and, in some ways, church. So, for instance, uh, Amin mentioned like police brutality, right? And so uh, many would say, "Hey, hey, if the Bible don't talk about it, leave it alone." Well, I would say, well. Your lens is keeping you from seeing Acts chapter 16, where Paul was beat by the magistrates. Yeah. Magistrates <laughs> translate as police. 
they found out that he has dual citizenship and they tried to release him silently. Yeah, right. But what did Paul do? What did Paul just, did Paul remain silent? No, the Bible says that Paul said, no, you beat beat me publicly, Mm -hmm. but you tried to release me silently. Heaven to the gnaw. I need some justice. (laughs) That's right. And so, so, so Paul confronts this with, based on his identity being in Christ and based on him being an image bearer. Yep. And so I don't want to go too far into that in terms of police battalion and all that. But but I'm saying like when when we when we kind of remove aspects of scripture that we're uncomfortable with, yeah. Because it doesn't fit our denomination, it doesn't fit my political leaning. Mm-hmm. It doesn't because some people conflate conservatism with Christianity, then we end up hurting people who don't look like, vote like, or think like us, yes. and then it, it it keeps us from being from being unified. That's powerful. That's powerful. It's really good. Let's get one more in there. That's a quote right there, that's my sister quote. Michelle. Thank uh, you, sis. Yeah, that's a good one, Michelle. Thank also, you for some, sharing that. Some, some some more love, my sister Michelle. Hey. hey, Michelle. Thank you, like thank to, you, thank you. Yes, already got the book. Nice. Oh yeah. <laughs> Amen. Let me, I'll do this right quick, just because uh, we, we didn't get to go into it, but this is kind of a part two to Daniel, Daniel Watson's question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I want y'all to see, this is how church oh, hurt yeah. also contributes to deconstruction. Yeah. So when you have people are disconnected from discipleship and then there's low spiritual stewardship in the church, you're presented with opposing views and ideologies and you add church hurt. <coughs> Excuse me. You add spiritual abuse and church hurt that's how church hurt ends up playing a significant role in people deconstructing their faith. Mm. So when we don't live out this idea of love and we don't live that out before God's people, we can end up contributing to not totally responsible for, Mm -hmm. but contributing to apostasy. Wow. Because we're, we're hurting, we're, we're, we're causing people to relive their trauma, not through the lens of redemption, but through the lens through the lens of our rejection of their hurt and their pain. Wow! And so I just think it's important that they see that that, that church hurt can contribute even to deconstruction. Wow! Yeah, it's yes. powerful. That is very true. Very very powerful. Yeah. So I I feel like I've always heard that whole okay that deconstruction you you walking away that apostatizing that's on you that don't got nothing to do with me yeah and I just don't think that that's how the scriptures point it I mean paint it out for yeah, us I mean for sure you know Jesus is yeah. telling us hey you cause one of these little children to stumble yes. you might as well tie this center block it's around stumbled. your neck and throw yourself in the Atlantic Ocean yeah yeah for sure you have a responsibility yeah so. absolutely and Paul Paul what Paul say Paul said bro you you lead others astray You're right with yeah. your with your with your xenophobia, mm-hmm. with your selective, your selective pork eating, mm-hmm. yeah. you're leading others astray. Yeah. Right. Paul confronted Peter on. Right. So it's in there that you we can lead others astray. Yes. Very true. We're not confused about we can lead people to the right place. <laughs> we'll take all the credit for that stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, I mean, it's a necessary <laughs> consequence is that you can also lead them the wrong place and you will be responsible for that. Yeah. Absolutely. Which, which also, it puts a... Uh, a burden on us um, to be careful. I'm thinking about um, what the writer in Hebrew says about to take care that we uh, encourage each other daily that nobody's heart will become hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. That there's a carefulness mm-hmm. that I want to have because I want to be a, the, the agent in your life that softens your heart. Yes. Not hardens it. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. yeah. 
All right. Man, thank you so much, fellas, yeah. for real. I, I can't thank you guys enough, seriously. Absolutely. Oh, no, thank it's you. An honor. And once again, Church Hurt is out now. This is the book that yes. we all need. So go support that. Share the word. Share the quotes. Pastor Jerome, we love you. Thank you so much. God bless thank you. Thank you, guys. <laughs> Family, thank you so much. Love you guys. God bless you. Peace. Peace. Peace.